My pleasure to be joined this morning by the Attorney General of the state of Connecticut. William Tong joins us today as he comes out to Eastern Connecticut later on today. William, good morning. Thanks for joining me again today. And well, today, September the 12th, where were you on 9-11 22 years ago? Give me a 9-11 memory for us today. So I, I was late for work. Uh, I worked in the city. And so it's one of those times when you're like, thank goodness. Uh, I was late and uh, wasn't on time. I got on the train, and and if you remember, around you know nine a.m. that hour, um, people were talking on the train, but but there wasn't a lot of good information, um, and so there are all different rumors and and obviously a lot of commotion. They we got on the train. The train left Stanford and it stopped in Pelham, New York, and it turned us around. So I never made it to the city that day. And thank goodness my sister, who worked at World Trade 7, she didn't go to work that day, God bless. And my wife was already in the city, but she worked at Midtown. And she was one of the thousands and thousands of people that, that had to find their way out. I think she didn't get home for another day or two after that and walked out of New York City and, and somehow got home. And tell us about your high school friend, Todd Isaac. Yeah, Todd worked at Newburger and Berman um, somewhere, uh, you know, up above, I think, 100 stories, uh, 100 floor uh, or higher uh, up there. I, I can't remember which tower he was in, um, but he was a year older than me. Um, he, he was a kid from the Bronx and uh, uh, went to Holy Cross in um, actually did business with another classmate of mine who was a trader on Wall Street, and Todd was a broker. And so, so Todd, would, Todd would take us out, you know, on his expense account when we were young guys, and, and um, you know, we got to be knuckleheads together, uh, you know, over the weekends. And, um, and that was really fun, you know, in our 20s. So I have, I have only good memories of Todd. Um, we had so much fun together. He was... He was really funny. He was a great athlete. He was very kind, very generous. And then, um, and then we lost him in an instant. One thing that I've learned from our periodic chats is how much time and effort you spend into advocating for our older generation, our seniors and the like. And today at two o'clock, you will be in Mystic for a discussion about the Elder Justice Hotline and other issues facing older adults. Tell me about today's Mystic event and what some of the key elements of that are going to be. Yeah, so I should w note, Wayne, you know, uh, increasingly a lot more gray on my temples, too. So um, this is important to all of us. I thought that was just uh, just for men. They have a gray coloration, and you dyed your hair gray. Uh, the stress of this job. I won't complain. I love my job, but uh, it's getting grayer by the minute. Um, so we're going to Mystic today to talk about um, the Elder Justice Hotline, which we set up now uh, a few years ago so that people would have only one number they had to call if they had any issues, if you're um, an older American, uh, an, an older uh, person living in Connecticut, and you encounter uh, anything from uh, trouble that, that requires help of a state agency, like trouble with your health insurance, um, or you have questions about um, your utility bill, or you're trying to get through to your state legislator because something's happening in your town, 
Um, everything from that to reporting a scam or you had a problem buying a used car to, um, in, in the worst cases, uh, if you're the victim of what you think is financial fraud or physical abuse, um, you just call this one number and um, uh, we'll be there on the other end of the line for you. And, and then if you need to speak to somebody other than someone in the attorney general's office, we then find out who that person is and, and connect you. Or obviously, if the attorney general's office can help you ourselves, we will do that. I had not heard of the elder justice hotline. Is that something relatively new? Uh, it's actually been around for a couple of years. And, and this trip to Mystic and Masonic here is now, I don't know, I've lost count. I, I might have gone to six, seven, eight, nine, ten different um, senior residential um, buildings or communities, um, assisted living communities, also to let people know about the Elder Justice Hotline, also senior centers, just so that they know they have the number, they know who to call, one-stop shopping, one number to call, and um, hopefully we can cut down on, you know, if you need something from state, local government, look, I get it. Uh, in this day and age, it can be hard. There's, there are a lot of resources and there are a lot of people but sometimes knowing who to call and getting through to them can be tough. You, you bounce around a little bit, same calling private companies, sometimes big utilities and service providers. You're on hold. You know, good luck calling an airline, by the way, these days. Um, I've, been on, I've been on hold for an hour and a half, you know, with, with uh, JetBlue or American. So I, I get it's frustrating, and that's why I wanted to give you one number. You can call our office. Um, if you don't get somebody right away because it's after hours or uh, we have a lot of calls, we'll call you right back. And this will be another trip to southeastern Connecticut for you. Friday, you visited the Coast Guard Academy campus. Tell me about that tour of the campus. I, I don't know if you've had um, this honor before, but I have never reviewed um, any of the military services when, when they muster and are doing exercises um, on the lawn and are in formation. This is called our regimental review where all the cadets, more than a thousand cadets, people don't always remember this. We have the U S coast guard Academy, one of the service academies right in our backyard in new London. And so I think they conduct drills and regimental reviews, maybe 12 times a year. This was their first so they invited me. We have a new superintendent, Admiral Johnstone, uh, Admiral Van Camp, who was the commander at the New Haven um, base, basically, sector Long Island. She's now the assistant superintendent. So they invited me there to review the cadets. They did a wonderful, glorious job. It was a little hot out there. Uh, sun was really tough, but it, it was amazing to see all of these incredible uh, young women and men in formation. They even had the ceremonial swords out and uh, the band was playing and, and they marched in front of us and did a number of exercises and I got a chance to review them um, as they did that. It was, it was an incredible honor. And that same day on Friday, Connecticut Insurance Department approved health insurance rate hikes and you went off on that. What were the issues you had with the rate hikes? I'm I'm still pretty unhappy about that. As happy as I was about the Coast Guard Academy, now I'm like in a totally different place when you bring that up. Um, people 
people just can't afford this anymore. You know, year after year, we see double-digit increases in health insurance. This was a segment of the health insurance market, which are plans that are offered on the health exchange here for people that don't have health insurance um, through their employer uh, or for small companies that need to find an appropriate plan for their employees and their business. So these are individual small group plans. Last year, uh, these companies, Connecticut, Anthem, Cigna, asked for double-digit increases of 15, 20, 25, as high as 34%. I came out swinging against those increases. Um, they cut them down considerably, but they were still too high. Same thing happened this year, and, and I made the same arguments, which is year after year, you guys come in here, you ask for totally uh, unsustainable increases that nobody can afford, and, and they asked for, you know, 15% or more this year. And, and I said, we people in this state haven't seen 15% increases in our wages. And small businesses haven't seen 15% or more increases in, in their revenue. So how do you think we're going to pay for this? And, and so year after year, you come in for these big increases and, and you, you maybe come in thinking or knowing that you won't get the 15 or 20% you want, but you know you'll get something uh, approaching that, and we just can't afford it. I like your comments. Did they respond to that? If so, what'd they say? You know, they said, this is what it costs. And I'm sorry, the trend in healthcare spending is, is expensive, and we're doing the best we can. And I pushed back on them face-to-face in this hearing and said, you guys, I asked them point blank, do you guys sit down with a spreadsheet with, you know, the hospitals in the state and go through line by line every cost and expense and negotiate each item? And the answer was no. And I said, you're kidding me. I mean, how are you, how are you controlling costs otherwise? So long story short, they asked for 10, 15, 20. They got around 10 or a little less than 10. It's still too much. Even if the insurance department cut them down, it's too much. Can't afford it. On the topic of healthcare, I got a phone call about a half an hour ago from a listener who asked, is there a requirement that blood pressure monitors in hospitals be inspected on a regular basis for accuracy? He said that his home device is way different from what the hospital says. And I understand that the hospital probably has higher tech equipment. Theirs is probably more accurate, but he raises a valid point. Are those ever inspected? And if so, who's supposed to do that? So I don't know the answer to that question, but we can definitely try to check with the Department of Public Health. And then moving on a bit here, a week earlier on September the 1st, Governor Lamont announced the nomination of Nora Danahy to serve as Associate Justice of the Connecticut Supreme Court. That's right up your alley there. So say a couple of words about Nora and why she's the right person for this job. She's the most qualified person in the state of Connecticut today to be a justice of the Supreme Court more qualified than me, more qualified than many lawyers and prosecutors. She's held almost every major job. She was an assistant U.S. attorney. She was acting U.S. attorney. She was deputy attorney general. She was counsel to the governor. Uh, she's worked for Maine Justice in Washington. <clears throat> There's, uh, it's hard to think of anybody with that resume uh, in, in our state who's a lawyer practicing today. So governor made a great call here. Back on August 31st, it was Connecticut, actually International 
Overdose Awareness Day, and that's something that you've been really fighting hard about. We've talked about this before, as uh, 1,500 lives have been lost to overdoses in Connecticut during just last year alone. What things is Connecticut, are Connecticut doing right now, and will they do in the future, to try to reduce and perhaps eliminate overdoses? So, Wayne, you may recall that I went to the uh, Wyndham Fire Department um, and uh, announced that money from the settlements, uh, more than $50 billion that I've recovered with other attorneys general from the opioid and addiction industry, that money is flowing now into Connecticut. And in fact, this morning, there's a meeting of the Opioid Settlement Advisory Committee, uh, and there are people in Eastern Connecticut who are on that committee who are going to talk about how to distribute that money to programs for treatment and prevention and addiction science across Connecticut, and that will include include programs in Wyndham and Willimantic. The hard truth is uh, communities like, like Wyndham um, are particularly hard hit in this crisis, and your neighbors, uh, family members, our friends um, in your region uh, have borne the brunt of this crisis, and so hopefully that money will get to them uh, and will make a difference in helping people get into recovery and to stay in recovery and to stop uh, to stop more victims from from coming into being. On that same day, August 31st, for the second time in a month, a federal judge has upheld Connecticut's assault weapons ban. Your quote was strong, common-sense gun safety laws, including those passed this year that this suit targets save lives. We're not going to let these weapons of war back into our schools, houses of worship, our grocery stores, or on our streets. Not on my watch. How do you get two separate cases? you got to go through the whole thing all over again, and we'll be there a third and a fourth down the road. Yeah, it's gonna, they're going to keep coming uh, because of the Supreme Court's decision in a case called Bruin. Uh, and, and what happens is is the Supreme Court when it makes a decision like that, it's usually some activist who found a plaintiff, uh, created a lawsuit, and, and they have an agenda, right? They're trying to get the Supreme Court to make the decision that they want. So it goes up to the Supreme Court after years and years and years, and they got the decision they wanted in a decision called Bruin. But I believe that Connecticut's gun laws are not only the right laws for us, but they're eminently constitutional and they keep us safe, and we're going to win these battles and win these lawsuits. So more activists are coming, usually from out of state. They file these lawsuits to try to change Connecticut laws. My message to them is, stay in your own states. Leave us alone. Connecticut has decided to pass these laws. They're, they're, they're very popular in Connecticut. People support them. Stay out of our state and mind your own business. Um, but if they come in, uh, I'll see them in court, and I'll beat them again. Sharon, Connecticut's a long way away. It's way off in the northwest part of the state, right on the New York border. But they had something happen August 30th, which certainly has a local interest here because similar has happened at Wyndham Hospital. But a decision by the Office of Health Strategy rejected the application to close labor and delivery services at Sharon Hospital. Did you have a role in that? And what does that mean that Sharon's hospital apparently continues with labor and delivery services? So, so I did have a role in that. Let me say, first of all, that these are community hospitals. Um, they get community hospital tax treatment, meaning they're nonprofits. Um, so they don't pay taxes like every other business. And in exchange for that, they're supposed to offer the basic 
services of a community hospital. They have a covenant with the community, as Wyndham Hospital does, to provide basic services like maternity care and OBGYN and uh, birthing, uh, a birthing center. Uh, because what's more basic than bringing kids into the world um, for a hospital? So I pushed back really hard on their application to close. Uh, my, my words and my arguments were cited prominently in the Office of Health Strategies decision denying the closure. And it's, it's a lot like the work we do in fighting utility rate increases, in fighting insurance rate increases. I have a team of lawyers that does this work who, who are in the trenches every single day. Um, I am grateful for the OHS's decision. And, you know, we've, we're, we're watching closely uh, what happens with Wyndham. We're still fighting that battle. We're watching closely about Day Kimball um, and, and a number of other uh, community hospitals that um, have indicated that maybe their birthing centers and maternity care are at risk. Hey, what have you and Senator Blumenthal been doing to save me money when I buy Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> I don't know if we can save you money, but we can try to protect you from from being swindled and from being charged money that that you had no idea um, that you would be charged when you when you thought about buying tickets. And by the way, this isn't just about Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift brought all of these issues to the fore. Where in this day and age. Often there's only one operator, that's Ticketmaster. So you've got this monopoly. Um, and, and then you've got all these secondary market people that are selling um, tickets, um, uh, you know, in, in, in what we call the secondary market, but, but uh, they're, a second, they're essentially resellers. And um, very often you'll think, okay, that ticket cost me, uh, for Taylor Swift, very expensive, 250 bucks or more. Uh, you get on the website, you fight through all the technology, you, you get the chance to buy the ticket, and then taxes and fees and, and other hidden charges, you know, add 10, 20, 30% on top of what you thought you were going to pay. So uh, we passed a law um, forbidding that practice, requiring uh, truth in, in pricing, basically, uh, upfront disclosures and making sure that people don't get swindled on uh, the back end and in trying to buy tickets for whatever event they want to go to. The junk fees in concerts these days. Attorney General, always a pleasure to have you on. Always good information. Thank you for joining me this morning. Thanks, Wayne. Attorney General William Tong joining us. He talked about the Elder Justice Hotline earlier. That number is 860-808-5555. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.